We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 218. Our guest today is living proof that if you love a program, stick with it. Our guest started riding at Carriage Hill Farm when she was a young girl, went to college, and came back in the industry as a professional rider and trainer, again at Carriage Hill Farm, under the lead of Jane Finessi. She had a very successful junior career and was champion of this medal finals in 2014 and 2015. She earned top 25 finish at USEF medal finals, and she won South Florida medal finals and ribboned in the U25 Grand Prix. She also had an incredible collegiate career. She competed on Auburn's National Collegiate Equestrian Association team, earning three national championships and two SEC championships. She is also the Auburn single-season wins co-holder on the flat with 17 wins and 14 over fences, which is the third highest in Auburn history. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Haley Iannotti. So I would love to hear how you first got started in the equestrian industry. Um, I actually um, got started because I got a flyer in the mail for summer camp. No way. Um, at Carriage Hill Farm, which is the place that I am still at almost, you know, 18 years later. So um, I actually, when I was younger, wanted nothing to do with horses. Um, And I had, we used to have at my preschool, this horse that would come in that you could take pictures with. And all the kids had these pictures on it. My brother went to the same preschool and took a picture on it. And I refused to get on it because I was so scared. (laughs) But then fast forward a few years and I got that flyer in the mail and I went to summer camp and the rest is history. (laughs) Wow. That is so incredible. That is um, a good lesson to people who are doing, you know, sometimes like the craziest marketing things just work out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So at that point in time, once you kind of caught the bug, did you always know that you wanted to make riding um, and horses part of your career? I would say like when I started, I was probably, I think seven or eight and, you know, I slowly worked myself into it lessons once a week and then I got a pony and then I got another pony and, you know, mm-hmm. on and on. But as I started getting more into it, when I became like a teenager and, and was showing consistently and, and working, I then became um, a working student for Jane at Carriage Hill. And once I kind of got into that part of the industry, that's when I realized that it was something that I wanted to pursue a career in. Tell me a little bit about some highs and lows that kind of stick out in your mind from your junior career. Do you have like specific wins or pivotal moments that you feel like definitely like shaped who you are now as a professional and then some learning moments that you feel like you remember as well? I'd say there's a few different horses that I feel had a big impact on my junior career. I had one children's hunter that I was circuit champion on um, during WEF. That was a pretty big deal for me at that age. Um, And I won a lot of classes with him. So I think that helped, you know, boost my confidence a bit. And I had an equitation horse that we actually bought um, as a young horse and imported from Europe that we kind of 
shaped into the horse he is today, I guess you could say. Um, but I started doing him when he was like four turning five. Um, and he's the horse that I actually won um, the Taylor Harris finals on in um, 2016. So I'd say that was, that was a pretty big high for me. And it was a cool experience because I kind of did all the work with the horse to bring him to that level and to that point and to be able to win a final like that with him was, was really cool. And then I also won the our South Florida Hunter Jumper Association medal final with another one of our, a different one of our sales horses that was also kind of young and greener, which was cool. And then I had a big jumper that we had for sale um, that I was able to do the U25 classes with and, and the high juniors that was super cool for me. I'd say um, not necessarily a low, but kind of a transition period for me that I remember from my junior career was when I kind of switched from doing all that three foot hunter equitation stuff. And I was winning a lot at that level. And then when I kind of stepped up to the next level of the, the three, six junior hunters or the three, six equitation, it's a bit of a transition and it's you know significantly harder than mm-hmm. the three foot stuff. So it was a little bit of a transition period for me of not winning classes and, and learning a lot because it was just, it was different. The courses were harder. The judging was different. And, and I'd say that that first circuit that I moved up to that little bit of a higher level was definitely not as successful as the circuit before, but I think it was a really good learning, learning period for me too. And, and really helped my riding and and helped me grow in that way. Definitely. Yeah. I think learning periods are so important because they really kind of take you back to the core of why you do this sport and Mm -hmm. where like, it's obviously a blast to win every weekend, but, (laughs) and, but then in those kind of like learning periods where it's like, Oh, like if I'm top five, like that's amazing. And, you know, you just kind of have to like shift your goals a little bit, but it, I feel like it definitely kind of helps you realize that you're doing this because you love the horse, because you're trying to learn new skills, you're trying to get better. So yeah, I feel like that that's definitely not a low, but definitely yeah, maybe something sure. you weren't used to. Exactly. Like I remember being so happy the first week that I was eighth in the McClay, you know, totally. Versus, yeah. Like, getting that blue ribbon, like just having a ribbon and, and getting to flat or something like that. It was it was cool. But it's also I feel like this sport is such a humbling sport too, because you can be the top and be the best. And the next time you walk in the ring, you could fall off or you could be the worst. So it's totally, it definitely is something that keeps you humble for sure. Yeah. Something I always tell my clients is that even the best riders aren't winning every weekend. Like everyone has off weekends and not even off weekends. They even, they could be doing well, but just the way that the sport is, they might not win. And that's, that's okay. There's so many factors that go into it. And I think sometimes people forget just how much the stars have to align, you know, it leading up to, uh, the actual show, the, the horse, the prep, the the everything, um, to really make that happen. And so it's when you, when you look at, you know, like how much you did win, it's, it's such an amazing accomplishment, but it's, it's hard when you're in the moment to, Mm -hmm. to recognize that. Yeah. Totally. So as you were kind of growing and riding more in your junior career, you're getting some great wins. How did you decide that you wanted to take the next step about riding in college? Was there ever a point that you didn't want to ride in college? How was that kind of dynamic and decision for you? 
from the start, I always watched um, Auburn Equestrian because they were the best of the best. They were the place people wanted to be. You know, they they won the most and and that was where, you know, they were number one in the country. So that's where you wanted to be. Um, But I did go through a point where I was unsure if I really wanted to go away and go to college because I had a lot of opportunities at home. I had, you know, horses to ride and, and Jane gave me so much through my junior careers and to this day still does, but through that period too, was still, you know, giving me these opportunities. And I went through a phase where I was like, is it worth it to give up these opportunities that I have here to go away and and go do that? But I'm honestly so glad that I did go because it was an experience that I, I can't ever have again. It was, it was incredible. And it was, I actually did um, online school for most of high school. So I never really was a part of like the whole school and your school friends and things like that. I had a lot of friends at the barn and, and stuff, but that was another thing that I really never got to be a part of because I did do the online school. So that was another thing that pushed me to go and do that as well, because I was like, I felt like I needed that experience and I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. Walk me through what, uh, what a season looked like for you as far as, uh, not just your riding and competing, but also kind of how you balance that with school and this new dynamic, like what you were alluding to about, you know, going to physical school and and balancing that with social life and riding. And how how did you manage it all? Um. So when I I went to school through seventh grade, and then in eighth grade I did online school, and I chose to do online school because. I really saw riding as a future and I felt like I wasn't getting enough time in the saddle and enough experience um, when going to school for eight hours a day and, and, you know, getting to ride one horse after school and then having to do homework and just crazy schedules. So that year that I did online school in eighth grade, I feel like my riding progressed tremendously. Like it was such a change from when I started to when I did it because I was getting to ride, you know, five, six, seven horses a day and, and showing a lot of horses and getting a lot of opportunities that I wasn't getting before because I was stuck in school. But then I decided I wanted to go to high school and have the high school experience. So I went to high school in ninth grade and I immediately realized that I didn't really care that much to have that high school experience and I would rather be at the barn and be riding. So after that year, I went back to online school and doing the online school, it did have its challenges because you kind of get in the program of, you know, wanting to be at the barn all the time and riding and being super busy and then having to come home later in the day after being at the barn and sit down on a computer and stare at a screen and learn. It was a bit of a challenge. So I definitely had to make schedules for myself in order to, you know, plan out and organize everything so that I could have enough energy and time to do the riding and do the school because it definitely was exhausting to be at the barn all day and then come home and stare at a computer screen. So once I figured out the scheduling and, and how I could really organize everything so that it, it benefited both sides equally, um, then it was pretty easy. For a young rider who is looking to, I mean, I feel like in many ways your 
experience with Carriage Hill as a junior was so amazing because you had the opportunity to ride so many animals, you know, through Jane and um, be able to gain that experience and, and really see it as being a, you know, a part of your future career. What, what kind of advice would you give to a young rider who is looking to be able to have those extra rides, whether it's, you know, catch ride or some sales horses and be able to get with a program who, where they can have opportunities to do that? I'd say, honestly, the, the most important thing is to work hard and to be a hard worker, whether people are watching or people are not watching. Like, you can always see if someone really wants it or if they're doing it just because they want that time in the show ring. And I know a lot of times, like nowadays, we get kids that want to be working students or want to, you know, want to have that position, but don't really want to work hard in order to to get those opportunities. Like you're given those opportunities because you're getting it as a reward for putting in the work at the barn or, or you know, helping our guys or helping the trainers and, and basically being a helping hand for anyone that needs it. And I think that's really the most important thing is, is to really be dedicated to what you want to do, because if you're not willing to put in the hours to get those things done or, or to help anyone that needs it, it, it makes people less willing to, to give you the opportunities that, they have, they'd be, you know, more willing to give it to somebody else that's going to work a bit harder. So I'd say that's super important. And then also just trying to be really positive um, at all times. I know, especially in this sport, there can be a lot of negative energy, unfortunately, because it is very competitive and it is a hard sport in that sense. But I would say to try to work hard is definitely number one. And number two, I'd say definitely um, to try and keep keep everything pretty positive and, and have a good outlook on the whole situation. So once you graduated college, you were obviously ready to continue riding or, or tell me what, what did that look like for you? Obviously you're back at Carriage Hill. So did you always kind of know that that was going to be your plan after college? Going into college? Yes. I always had that plan to come home. Jane would always joke with me that I should go for my first year of college and when both SECs and nationals and get my rings and come home um, because I did what I needed to do. And funny enough, I did go my first year and we won SEC championship and the national championship and I got my rings and she was like, you're ready to come home. um, I, I did it and I stayed my other three years. um, But it was something from the start that I knew I was coming back to carriage hill. Like I've always carriage hill is like a second home to me. And um, they're all like family. So knowing that I had that there to come home to was something that was very comforting too, because a lot of my friends at school, whether it was moving on and graduating and going back into the horse industry or something else, they were all, you know, starting to worry about finding jobs and where are you going to work and where am I going to live? But it was like fairly easy for me in that sense, because I knew exactly what I was going to do and what I was coming home to and what to expect. So that definitely made the end of my college career and time a bit less stressful than everyone else because I already had a pretty set plan. What do you feel like was the most challenging thing about transitioning from college and riding on the team to then becoming a young professional? The thing with the college riding and riding here is it's it's so different because one, when you ride in college, it turns like an individual sport into a team sport, which is something that I found really incredible because it was so nice to 
have people to lean on and have have some help there because in our sport if you you know miss a lead change or if you you know miss a little at one jump your whole like you lose you know at that point so to have the girls on the team be able to back you up and and say you lose your point one day but those girls will rally behind you and and get those points for you and you can still win your meet was something that I found um to be really cool so after going to school it was like you kind of always had a little bit of a backup within those other girls that were on the team so then transitioning back to going home and and being completely individual was a bit of a change um and while you still have your, you know, your team, which is your people that you work with and your, um, your clients and everything like that, it's still a bit different. And then I would say, um, one thing to me that was very different is at school, everything was kind of planned out for us. Whereas, you know, we had, as you go on in your years, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you start to develop a little bit more leadership. And once you're a senior on the team, you are the leaders of the team, but at the same time, we always had a schedule. We always had a plan. We always had kind of a set way to do things. And so then graduating and coming home, that shifted. And I started to have to make those plans and make the schedules and things like that. So I would say that to me was a big change because I had to take on a lot more responsibility than I had um, when I was at school. Okay, so I have a question for you listening because I honestly used to dread having to get prescriptions filled for my animals. Does the idea of having to re-up your prescriptions give you anxiety? I used to be the same way, but then I started shopping at FarmVet. They make it so easy to get my prescriptions filled. All I have to do is order online and they do the rest. On top of making your prescription buying hassle-free, they also have a very knowledgeable staff that I can bounce things off of when I'm questioning a supplement my horse is currently using or considering trying something new. Plus, I love how easy it is to set up and manage auto shipments, so I know my horses always have what they need when they need it. Whether you're shopping online or over the phone, which I've also done all the time because it's super quick, you'll get free shipping on all of your orders over $79. Thinking about giving them a try? You can use my code MyEquestrianStyle to get 10% off your first order. Check out FarmVet at FarmVet.com. That's F-A-R-M-V-E-T dot com. Again, that is 10% off your order by using code MyEquestrianStyle. Some restrictions do apply, like prescriptions and price-protected brands, so make sure you see store for details. Thank you so much, FarmVet. All right, let's get back to the episode. Now today, what does um, a normal week look like for you? Like let, we'll say in Wellington, kind of leading up to uh, show week. Um, so one thing that's different about Carriage Hill, I think, than almost any other barn is we work on Mondays. We have almost 70 horses at our farm in Delray between our beginner lesson program to our show program and sales horses and everything. So we do have a lot of clients that if we're all at the horse show, they don't get to see us because we're, we're busy at the horse show. We do try our best to go back and forth for lessons and everything. But Monday is a day that everyone is there and, you know, everyone can get an equal amount of attention. And Monday is the day that because we're all there, we can plan for the week or we can go over things that need to be changed or things like that. So Monday we do work. Um, we do ride in the morning, teach lessons in the morning to a lot of our adults. And then we have usually a lunch break and then we have kids in the afternoon. Um, and 
Then Tuesday, we usually head to the horse show. Um, if horses need to school, um, we head to the horse show and do that. We'll do entries for the week, set up our breeding lists for the week. And then Wednesday on through the rest of the week is basically between horse show and at the barn. So we just have to plan our schedules. There's three of us mainly that teach like the full-time lessons between me, um, Ashley Hotz and Meredith Gallagher. So we try to work our best to see what the horse show schedule looks like and what the farm schedule looks like. That way we can, you know, go back and forth and, and teach lessons and show and be able to get everything done. But it's nice that we do have three of us that way we can, we always have someone either at the barn or at the horse show and, and looking after everyone. And then on Sunday we're off at the farm. So if we don't have a horse show that week, then Sunday's totally off. But um, if we do have a horse show, then obviously we're going through the weekend, but for the most part, it's just kind of, especially during WEF, it's juggling, juggling back and forth lessons at the farm and at the horse show and, and really just time management and when is the best time to get everything done. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a busy week. And I think, (laughs) I think sometimes, I mean, it's hard because it's good to have, it's good and healthy to have days off, but sometimes in I feel like our industry and in our jobs um, as you know trainers and, and juggling a bunch of things, sometimes you have to supplement that full day off for just good time management where you're still needing to check in and work every day, but maybe it's organized enough where the days aren't so stressful that you feel like you need a day off. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just kind of like trying to figure out how to balance the days so that they're not all jam, like they're not all like our Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, but um, it can stay organized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've done a better job this year, I think of, of doing that because you can, especially during circuit, you can very easily get burnt out and get Mm -hmm. super over it. So what we've done too, is like on Mondays, one of us will come in late and just do the afternoon group or, you know, just do the morning and not the afternoon group. And we can kind of rotate on and off who yeah. does the late shift and the morning shift that way. Like you said, we're not, we're not there and, and doing all that every single totally. day, all day long. So that we've definitely come up with a little bit of a better system this year for that. I'd say. Obviously riding is a big part of your job. Um, did you always know that you wanted to get into teaching as well? Um, cause I know sometimes people are, I know when I first became a professional, I'm like, all I want to do is ride and show. And with, you know, different events that have occurred now, I'm like, I love teaching. I don't even need to show. And it's just funny how it changes, yeah. but what you tend to be yeah. either like, you know, more interested in one or the other or better at one or the other. So where do you kind of fall with that? I honestly like them both equally. I personally, like, I guess if I had to choose, I would say sure. prefer riding just because I need total yeah. control of that. <laughs> like when I, you know, you can only do so much with your clients and, right. and with your students and stuff, but once they go in the ring, it's, it's on them. So that's teaching and being at the ring and, and showing with them to me is more stressful than me showing by myself because I know that when I'm showing, you know, of course, run an animal and they can do something that I don't expect. But for the most part, I'm mm-hmm. completely in control. But teaching and helping them is something that I've always liked. Like even as a junior, when I was a working student, I was riding so many horses and either it be the client horses or our sales horses and stuff. And I'd be able to help them in a way because 
I'm the one riding them a lot and showing them a lot. So even before I went to school or became a professional, like I always wanted to help them, you know, better themselves and, and build that relationship with their horses that I was in the morning when they came in the afternoon. So, um, I would say I'm, I'm pretty 50, 50 now. I, we do have a, a lot of really good clients right now and, and we're pretty family oriented at the barn. So like our junior clients we're, we're very close with and we try, you know, really hard to form a good relationship with them because to me, if, if they're not enjoying their time, not only with their horses, but with us when we're teaching lessons or at the horse show and stuff, it's, it's not worth it. So, um, and it, it, to me, the teaching, it's very rewarding when you see people accomplish the goals that they set or, you know, with some of our adults where they're just getting into horse showing now and, and they got a little bit of a later start on it to see, like, it really bring them a lot of joy and and make them happy to be there and to be competing and, and just enjoying their time with the horses is something that I find really cool because it's a lot of people just take it and and think about it as the results and and winning and doing this but it's it's refreshing to see some of the kids and and our adults just really enjoy doing the sport and and just happy that they can be there and that they're showing and that they're spending time with their animals instead of just worried about you know getting a champion or reserve ribbon what do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing young professionals in the industry today that and what do you think we could do to help young professionals like us, like yourself, to be successful and to not get burned out? I'd say definitely like networking and finding people that are going to be there to help you. Um, there's so many people that are in the industry and so many of these big barns and big operations that have a ton of people to help. I definitely think, you know, forming relationships, that's one thing I learned in school like whether it's with your teachers or, or anything, it's, it's forming relationships with those people so that you always kind of have something to lean back on. And if you have questions or if you have concerns and you can always kind of have somebody to reach out to if you need help. So I think that's super important to be able to, you know, build relationships with people within the sport. That way you have help. It, I would say a big thing right now that's going to be really hard for any young professionals coming up wanting to do completely their own thing is how expensive the sport has really gotten. Mm-hmm. And I know overall it's always been expensive, but the price of it now to do is insane. So I think as a, as a young professional trying to do it on your own, that might be one of the hardest things. But I think, I know like coming out of school, a few of my friends that wanted to do horses and do their own thing kind of shifted that mindset and went and worked for people or bigger operations just so you can kind of learn everything that goes on in day-to-day life and, and horse show preparation and at the barn and setting feed and the meds and everything like that, because there really is so much more behind the scenes that you don't realize unless you're really a part of it. So I think going and, and working under someone else or, you know, a bigger barn to get that knowledge under you is super important before you try to go off and do it on your own. Because I feel like if you just went and did it on your own without having any of that experience, it's, you're going to be quite shocked and it's going to be pretty hard. Totally. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so important, especially that's what makes, I think our industry so unique. And sometimes I feel like it's a negative thing. And sometimes I think it's a unique thing about our sport is that you really can't fully learn 
the sport unless you are physically going underneath someone who's already done it before and learning their program. Like, it's not like there's a bunch of like online courses or things on YouTube that show you about the different meds or supplements or horse show prep that, you know, like a lot of different, you know, mainstream sports might have. Um, So being able, you, you really do need to find a program that you really like and appreciate and want that you, that kind of like follows what you would want to do and then kind of coming alongside them and, um, We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, just taking the time to ask the questions and to, you know, really learn from people who have already mm-hmm. been doing it well. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's almost to me, it's almost like um like getting an internship before you get a real job. Like when you totally. graduate school or you do a summer internship, it's like learning the behind the scenes kind of aspect of that job and that profession and, and the company or whatever that is. It's it's essentially the same thing, just in a bit of a different way. That's a really good point because it is something we also have to remember is um, the timeline for this industry or this career path is a little bit skewed because we, it is such a lifelong sport and you can be doing this as a professional for decades and decades. So it's almost like a little bit of like a residency program (laughs) is working under people um, and really kind of gaining that knowledge and experience. That's a good Mm -hmm. point. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? One thing that I would say that I got more from being at school is giving the horses like a second chance and a kind of a change of perspective and a change of job, if that makes sense. Um, Because at school, all the horses that we get are horses that are donated from all over the country and it's horses that they could be famous horses. They could be horses that have done a lot of stuff, but have either gotten hurt or have had bad experiences and can no longer do the things that they're being asked to do in the real horse show world anymore. And I think having all of these colleges being available to donate these horses is something that's really cool because it gives those horses a second chance and it gives those horses something else to do. Cause not a lot of the times, a lot of those horses aren't old horses that are, are really ready to be retired. It's just that they kind of need a change of pace. So I think that's something that unless you're kind of in the college riding industry or know about that, that some people don't really know about. So I think it's something that's really cool. And if people don't know about it, should look into it because a lot of the colleges are, are looking, always looking for horses and, and it kind of gives them a job and gives them a purpose. And, and they're very well loved at school because you know, they're what makes our team possible. So I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is an option and is something that, that they could do to, you know, help their horses and, and get them off their bills, but also really benefit a program that is in need for them. That is such a good one. I love that one, Haley, because I think that so many of us want to do right by our horses and want to make sure that they are, you know, finishing off their life or retirement or semi-retirement at um, a place that they can trust. And but there's also that dynamic of especially uh, families or riders that have a large string of horses. Uh, it becomes a big financial investment to mm-hmm. retire horses. So being able to 
kind of find other options like donation to a school is that's such a, it's such a great option, especially a lot of our horses, whether they have, you know, a torn suspensory or, you know, some other injury that maybe prevents them from doing the three, six junior hunters, let's say, giving them some time off. A lot of these horses really do thrive on a job. And while, while, yeah. while mm-hmm. it might not be the job that they were doing, um, there's plenty of options for them to still have a job. And I, I know in the college divisions, there's there's plenty of opportunities for horses to just flat or, you know, much smaller jumps. And so, yeah, I think that that's a really great thing to talk about. Yeah. It's some, it's something that I think is cool. Cause we even had a horse at our barn that we bought and, um, he was a really nice horse, but he, we don't, I'm in Florida, we don't have really that much paddock space and, and, you know, they can only work so hard and he, and he started to not really, he was, misbehaving a bit, I'd say at our farm, Um, but knowing, you know, I went to Auburn and I know, you know, the horses have giant fields and they live outside all the time and and they're so happy. And, and I said to Jane, like, I think what's going to benefit this horse the most is, is going and doing that and being able to live outside and being able to, you know, live in that environment and, and everything. And now that he's up there and he's getting nineties and and he's doing great. So it just kind of depends on, you have to look at, what these horses want as well. I mean, they, they can't talk, but at the same time, you, you can, you can kind of tell, you know, what's going to work for them and what isn't. And, and we do have to think about them and, and treat them the best because they are the, they are the reason that we're able to do this. So Absolutely. And you can totally tell when a horse is able to just be happy and take a breath and relax and enjoy life. And you can, you can definitely see that. And so I think being able to recognize what is needed for a horse, I think is such Mm -hmm. an important part of what we do. And such, I I think it's our responsibility as horse people to make sure Mm -hmm. that our horses are living happy lives because they give us so much happiness. For sure. Well, Haley, thank you so much for taking the time to chat a little bit about your career um, from start to current. I love following Mm -hmm. what you're doing and I wish you all the best. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.